1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. Premier David Eby is making an unusual appeal as the Bank of Canada gets set to announce its interest rate target next week. Rates have been steadily rising for more than a year, putting many British Columbians in a financial bind. Richard Zussman joins us with more on the letter Eby has written to the bank asking it to hold off on any further increases. Now, Richard, what kind of weight does this actually have on these kinds of decisions? Or is this just political posturing by the premier?
2: The Premier was asked Sophie a number of times today, what is the point of this letter? Is it political posturing considering the Bank of Canada doesn't respond directly to politicians? The hope from the Premier though is the Governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem, at least read this letter and would consider the impacts that an increase could have on British Columbians. But there's also the strong possibility this letter ends up in a pile or even worse, in the recycling bin. Ultimately, Eby's goal is to send a message that he's taking inflation seriously.
3: Hello, Hello
2: Dave. For David Eby back in the classroom Thursday with just one subject on his mind, economics.
4: I'm hearing from British
5: Columbians every day that are being crushed by the costs of daily life. And uh, one of those big impacts that they're seeing is ever-escalating interest rates
2: In a letter sent just days before the Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem is set to announce a decision on whether rate hikes will go up again, the Premier asking for a break. It reads, people in BC are already hurting. In your role as Governor, I urge you to consider the full human impact of rate increases and not further increase rates at this time.
5: The biggest driver of inflation in the country is increasing mortgage costs and uh, there's a possibility of increasing interest rates even further.
2: The rate increases have been unrelenting since last March, creeping up now a borrowing rate of 5%, the highest in more than 20 years. But economists aren't so sure a letter to the non-partisan Bank of Canada is the way to address the problem. And many predict the Bank of Canada won't even touch interest rates next week, largely due to some early indications INFLATIONARY CONCERNS ARE EASING.
6: THEIR TARGET IS INFLATION. Um, AND THERE ARE OTHER levers IN GOVERNMENTS WHICH WOULD BE LOOKING AT SOME OF THE OTHER FACTORS OF THE DEMAND SIDE.
2: THIS INCLUDES RISING IMMIGRATION AND A LACK OF HOUSING TO MATCH. THE LINGERING CONCERN. EXISTING HIGH INTEREST RATES ARE STOPPING HOME BUILDERS FROM BUILDING. EB'S LETTER READING, THIS QUIET BUT DEVASTATING IMPACT OF RATE INCREASES WILL RESULT IN EVEN HIGHER HOUSING COSTS, FEEDING INFLATION FURTHER.
7: Lots of first time home buyers should be graduating into home ownership, but they're not, uh, given the rate environment, which means they're still in the rental market. Uh, and that puts more pressure on rents than there would be otherwise.
5: Oh, I just found a mattress in color. The opposition's
2: skeptical, arguing the premier could do a lot more to attack the cost of living.
5: They could have done things like we called for, for example, to eliminate, for example, all the provincial fuel taxes, to give people a break on fuel costs during the summer. They've refused
7: continuously to do that.
1: And Richard, as you mentioned, and as borrowers know all too well, these increases have happened a number of times already. So why is the premier speaking up this time? Yeah, more than 10 increases in the
2: last 18 months, Sophie, and I asked the Premier exactly that question. His answer was he's hearing now more than ever before from British Columbians about this impact, but there's also the fact that economists are suggesting the likelihood is that rates will not be increased next week, and if it remains that way and this letter seems to work, I'm guessing the Premier will recycle the idea of a letter once again if it gets the attention of British Columbians.
1: All right, we'll see what happens when the Bank of Canada meets (laughs) next week. Richard, thank you the vancouver school board has released details of how it plans to reinstate police officers in city schools school liaison officers will be back in vancouver schools next week a total of 15 officers will be deployed to secondary schools and will support elementary schools the school board eliminated the program in april 2021 over concerns about the impact the presence of officers was having on the mental and physical well-being of students. But after last fall's civic election, the new board voted to bring the program back.
8: I think it's absolutely critical and, you know, it's one of those programs I am so excited that we've able, been able to come up with a reimagined program that's addressed some of the concerns that were previously raised because, you know, the school liaison officers, it's one of the few things that we're still able to do in policing where we can build relationships early and have a positive influence uh, on kids.
1: Officers are being deployed with a more casual look, wearing t-shirts instead of full uniforms. And while officers will be armed, pistols won't be obviously displayed. BC Ferries is heading into another busy long weekend, while still down one of its largest vessels. Global's Cassidy Moscone is live with more on the news for passengers. And uh, Cassidy, despite confidence from ferries that it'll be a smooth long weekend, it's not looking so good for sailings in the months ahead.
9: Not particularly, Sophie. It was relatively calm and business as usual here at the Tawasun Ferry Terminal. For most of the day, passengers trying to get across to the island during off-peak times ahead of the Labor Day festivities, Uh, but a grim warning for those who couldn't. Thursdays are the new Fridays for BC long weekends. Vancouverites line the ferry terminal at Tsawwassen, hoping to get a jump on the Labor Day mass exodus traffic. Are you trying to beat the queues? Oh,
8: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who isn't?
3: It's been really good, actually, this time round. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Are That's you surprised? True. Absolutely. I expected to sit here till 8 o'clock tonight.
9: Smooth sailing today, everyone hoping for more calm waters
3: tomorrow. It is the fourth busiest weekend of the travel weekend of the year for BC Ferries. Uh, We'll probably see 520,000 passengers and over 200,000 vehicles board our vessels and safely get to where they need to go. (coughs)
9: They'll be getting there one vessel down, the coastal renaissance, still under repair, out of circulation, docked for mechanical maintenance.
3: Essentially, if you don't have a reservation, you will find it a very challenging experience. But if you have a reservation, you're going to get where you need to go and you're going to have a great weekend.
9: 1,000 bookings have already been culled this weekend, with more cancellations in the forecast. Between September 9th and Thanksgiving, on routes between Horseshoe Bay, serving Langdale and Departure Bay, 60 supplementary trips will be cut impacting around 800 customers those
10: with reservations on those sailings will be contacted directly by our customer care team and they will where possible move the bookings to another other sailings there will still be space for standby travel on our vessels for horseshoe bay to langdale for example there's still approximately 50% of the vessel deck space available for standby traffic.
1: I think it's a joke, BC ferries, you know, at one time
5: the ferries used to run properly. It's typical BC ferries.
9: Long weekends getting longer for some passengers. So there will be some disruption to full travel. but BC Ferries is vowing it has enough capacity to accommodate alternate options. The advice, leave your car at home and walk on or try your luck at another booking. Sophie.
1: Cassidy Moscone reporting live in Tawasson tonight. Cassidy, thank you. Now some good news for anyone traveling to the west coast of Vancouver Island this weekend. Highway 4 near Cameron Lake, Cameron Lake Bluffs is expected to fully reopen tonight. The highway first closed in early June as firefighters fought a nearby wildfire. It reopened to single lane alternating traffic at the end of June and since then crews have been working to stabilize the slope. Work has included rock scaling, debris and tree removal and the installation of a barrier and catchment fencing. Both lanes are expected to reopen sometime this hour, but you are advised to check Drive BC for the latest updates. RCMP in South Surrey are investigating eight break-and-enters in the region this month alone, and the similar nature of the crimes has investigators exploring the possibility they're linked. Our Troy Charles is live in Crescent Beach where the latest smash-and-grab happened Uh, And Troy, you've learned this one has likely resulted in some pretty devastating consequences for the owner.
10: Sophie, 85-year-old Joe Martino is very well known here in Crescent Beach and he actually lives right above his coffee and gelato shop here on Beecher Street. And at 4 a.m. this morning, he was awoken by the loud bang of a pickup truck crashing into the front door of his shop. Joe phoned the police. And after the assailants fled and the scene was clear, paramedics took Joe to the hospital for precautionary measures. And as his son explains, it was a good thing he went.
7: My dad was pretty upset, like I said, and then was taken to the hospital. Um, I just came back from there and found out that he had a heart attack. Um, So it's pretty upsetting uh, being in the community for that long and something like this happening.
10: Thankfully Nick tells us his dad is in stable condition. He's run Martino's Cappuccino and Coffee Bar since the early 90s and Nick says this is the first time their store has had a break in attempt of this nature. An ATM located just inside the front entrance is likely what the thieves were after. The ATM was knocked over but no money was taken and there was nothing else stolen from the store. This incident is just another in a string of break-ins that have plagued South Surrey in August. Eight different businesses have been on the receiving end of significant damage as thieves have been using vehicles as battering rams to try and break in. On August 12th, around 3.30 a.m., a a pickup truck rammed into South Rock Resale in Ocean Park. Fortunately for them, it had installed a metal gate inside the glass storefront, which the truck couldn't breach. And a day before that, the luxury resale store Turnabout in Peninsula Village was hit at 4.30 a.m., now has large plywood sheets over a pair of smashed windows.
11: It does appear that these incidents are likely linked just due to um, the fact that they are similar in nature as well as the geographical location. is It seems to be confined more so to the South Surrey area. Uh, the vehicle that was used in the incident this morning has been seized and a full forensic exam will be conducted on that vehicle.
10: Sophie, RCMP asking the public to contact them if they have any information or surveillance video of the surrounding area. And I'll have a full report on this concerning string of break-ins coming up at 11. Back to you.
1: All right, thanks for that. Troy Charles reporting in South Surrey. We will likely never know the motivation behind a stabbing rampage outside the Lynn Valley Library in North Vancouver two years ago. But the man responsible for killing one woman and injuring half a dozen others has been handed a life sentence for murder chance of parole for 15 years. Janet Brown has the story.
3: It was a day many won't ever forget. It was at the Lynn Valley Library in North Vancouver where a stabbing rampage happened just over two years ago. One woman was killed. Six others suffered various injuries.
12: Show me your hands! Show
3: me your hands! Earlier this year, 30-year-old Yannick Bandaugo pleaded guilty to the charges and now has been sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 15 years.
7: The judge clearly explained his judgment as well that uh, he took into account all the victim impact statement, uh, the three days that uh, were in court, as well as the, uh, the impact that uh, the, those horrific, basically incident had on the Lynn Valley community. Uh, he made it clear that this is one of the factor, one of the aggravating factor in the sentence.
3: B.C. Supreme Court Justice Jeffrey Gall, who delivered the verdict in French because that is the language Bandago speaks, called the stabbing rampage an horrific event, a senseless afternoon. Bandago's lawyers say he's remorseful.
2: The judges outlined the fact that Mr. Bandago, uh took responsibility uh, for his act and he, you heard the judge as
13: well mention about monstrous act and it's a very sad case.
3: Some of the victims' families were here at B.C. Supreme Court in Westminster inside the courtroom to hear the verdict come down, looking for a conclusion or some sort of ending to their journey over the last several years. However, it was very clear that the emotion of that day is still very raw, many of them in tears as they recalled the tragedy of that very regular Saturday in North Vancouver in Lynn Valley outside the library, in march of 2021 however exactly why bandago did what he did the judge telling the courtroom we may never understand why this happened bandago was homeless had done quote an enormous amount of drugs over the years and had taken transit to north vancouver where the random attacks were carried out janet brown global news Well, despite a shift in the weather,
1: we're still not out of the woods when it comes to wildfire risk in B.C., why the state of emergency is still in effect, and the status of some of the province's worst-hit areas in just over a minute.
12: We're not renting anymore. Oh, s***! Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: They've reached the end credits at one of B.C.'s last video rental stores, how Pickaflix survived all these years, and why it's finally reached its final act later. Plus,
12: I think the rings kind of scare me because when I swing from one and then they're moving.
1: A true test of toughness, the BC man taking on the Spartan race and how he has one extra obstacle to overcome later. Right now, though, the arrival of cool, damp weather across much of the province is helping with the wildfire fight, but it's not nearly enough to improve the extreme drought conditions and high fire danger. As a result, the B.C. government is extending the provincial state of emergency for another two weeks. Aaron MacArthur reports.
6: It's been two weeks since fire tore through West Kelowna, and the damage is still hard to fathom. Residents in some of the hardest-hit neighborhoods getting the chance to see the destruction firsthand. West Kelowna's fire chief says it's one of the priorities for emergency services.
0: I said it earlier on in this incident uh, that we were going to do it safely. We were going to do it compassionately and we were going to do it the right way. There's been a whole team of people at the Emergency Operations Centre who have been working to make that happen.
6: In the Okanagan, like many regions of the southern interior, cooler, wetter weather has given firefighters a chance to make some headway. The McDougall Creek fire is still listed as out of control, but guards are being built and hot spots are being doused. In the Fraser Canyon, evacuation orders are being reduced to alerts. In the Shoe Swamp... Fire crews need significant rain to fall.
2: This type of moisture will wet some of the finer fuels and some of the surface fuels. But once you start digging down into that heavier duff, you get into those thicker fuels, you know, won't have a lot of impact.
6: The news isn't as good in northern B.C. Very little rain has fallen. Combined with significant wind, fires that were considered under control have bolted. The B.C. government extending the provincial state of emergency another two weeks. But planning and budgeting is already underway
5: for next season. One thing that the government did in the last budget cycle was take the, uh, the core of BC Wildfire Fire Service and dramatically expand uh, the number of full-time, year-round people there into the next budget cycle as well as to whether uh, that, that worked. With another month or
6: more to go in this fire season... Officials are reminding the public that the risks remain high. A majority of fires started in this shoulder season are human-caused. Erin McArthur, Global News.
1: Coming up, another whale strike in B.C. waters.
14: It isn't known um, whether these whales survived or not.
1: The latest collision with a B.C. ferry and how the corporation is responding. Also ahead, a new development on the status of Joffrey Lakes Park after its sudden closure last week.
8: Steady here in both directions tonight at the Patello Bridge with most of the congestion still on that Columbia on-ramp to head south. Through Kermak Cares for Kids, expert care for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. Kermac is celebrating 50 years of collision and auto glass services. Choose the best. I'm Trish Jouison in Global One at the Patello Bridge.
1: Another whale has been hit by a BC Ferries vessel, the second incident involving the same ship since July. As Global's Paul Johnson reports, it's prompting changes in order to avoid more accidents amid a growing presence of whales.
0: BC Ferries has confirmed that twice in recent weeks, its ship Northern Expedition has collided with a humpback whale on its run between Port Hardy and Prince Rupert. The most recent collision happened August 29th in the inside passage. The crew spotted the humpback and threw the engines in reverse. But it wasn't enough time to avoid contact.
3: It's not known what happened to the whale. It's disturbing, quite frankly. We we take these things really seriously because they happen so rarely. And even with the mitigation measures that the team, the bridge crew, put into place in an attempt to avoid the strike, it still occurred. B.C. Ferries hopes new
0: technologies like infrared sensors and hydrophones can help avoid collisions in the future. But humpbacks and other baleen whales are a growing presence on the coast of B.C., which is a good news story. Experts say the situation with humpbacks can be especially challenging, though.
3: Humpbacks don't organize themselves in families, so when they are missing um, and a, certainly if after an accident there isn't a photo even of who the whale is, then we don't know if they're somewhere else or dead at the ocean bottom or stranded somewhere where they're, they're not found.
0: Humpback researcher Jackie Hildering says it's not clear if what we're seeing is more collisions or more reporting of collisions. She says BC Ferries did the correct thing by trying to avoid the whale and then reporting the incident so that more is known about places where humpbacks are tending to feed. Building up that kind of knowledge, she says, is how we'll improve collision avoidance in the future.
3: There is so much that can be done. There's so much that can be done already in terms of awareness about why are humpbacks here? How are they behaving? What are signs of presence?
0: Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: Joffrey Lakes Provincial Park is set to reopen temporarily tomorrow, but the longer term term future is still very much uncertain. The closure of Joffrey Lakes Park until the end of September was announced earlier this month by the Lilwat and Nkwakwak First Nations as they intended to harvest traditional resources. But after public backlash, the province reached an agreement with the nations to open the park this long weekend from Friday to Monday. B.C.'s Environment and Climate Change Strategy Minister says ultimately park closures are up to B.C. parks and the provincial government.
5: We simply decided not to issue the uh, day-use passes for a few days so that we could create the space for the necessary discussions with these two nations. We know that we need to work together to reach a consensus around public access as well as the right uh, of these nations to practice their uh, traditional culture.
1: As of now, the park will close again from the 5th to the 7th, and what happens after that will depend on discussions between the First Nations and the provincial government. Coming up, searching for solutions in the toxic drug crisis. I lost my brother and my dad in 2018, just a few weeks apart. The group effort to save lives on this International Overdose Awareness Day. Plus, questions raised about the release of the suspect in a series of violent sexual assaults.
8: Good evening. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is some leftover volume on the east-west connector between Knight and the S-curve. Get 0.99% financing for up to 16 months on a Silverado 1500 Custom. Visit your local Chevrolet dealer today. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Alex Fraser Bridge.
1: A failed federal and mayoral election candidate in the Fraser Valley in court today on a number of serious criminal charges. As Rumi Nadea reports, Wyatt Scott first made news for his bizarre campaign videos. A warning some of the details in this story could be disturbing for some.
12: Hey, I'm Wyatt Scott, and I'm running for
0: parliament for the new riding of Mission Matsui, Fraser Canyon.
14: Wyatt Scott in the spotlight when he ran as an independent for a Fraser Valley riding in the 2015 federal election. He lost, but his crazy campaign videos made international headlines. Scott, now 46, in the spotlight again this time facing 12 criminal charges, including sexual assault, unlawful confinement, administering a noxious substance and trafficking a person under 18. The charges related to two recent incidents. Scott arrested with a loaded shotgun at a trailer in Chilliwack back in May, the court heard. Crown counsel Randy Robinson says the alleged victim cannot be identified due to a publication ban. Alleges Scott sexually assaulted her 7 to 14 times. She had known him less than a month. Scott was charged but released. Then two and a half months later in July, the alleged victim texted Kids Help Phone from a residence in Chilliwack saying she had been kidnapped. Robinson told the court alleges she had been forcibly confined at a residence for three to four days, drugged, in and out of consciousness, in pain, waking up to men having sex with her alleging Scott sold her to his friends and called her his, quote, sex slave. Crown said police seized multiple items, including a bottle of cream soda, believed to contain the drug GHB. Even though Scott doesn't have a criminal record, Crown urged the judge not to release him on bail, saying his predatory behavior poses a risk to the public. Scott crumbling in his jail cell, crying uncontrollably via video after Judge White released him under strict bail conditions. Scott must reside at a private facility with 24-7 surveillance. The accused warned once again not to have any contact with the alleged victim. Romina Dea, Global News.
1: Questions tonight about why the man arrested in a series of violent sexual assaults has been released from custody. As Catherine Urquhart reports, despite the severity of the charges and the objections of police and Crown counsel, Arturo Garcia-Gorjon is back on the street. Arturo Garcia-Gorjon is charged with sexually
8: assaulting four different women, In A COLD CASE DATING BACK 14 YEARS, BUT HE'S FREE ON BAIL AFTER BEING RELEASED BY A JUDGE.
10: I FEEL FOR THOSE SURVIVORS WHO TOOK THE RISK uh, TO SHARE THEIR STORIES, TO GIVE EVIDENCE FOR POLICE IN ORDER TO uh, HAVE ENOUGH EVIDENCE THAT WAS uh, SUFFICIENT FOR CROWN THEN TO PURSUE CHARGES. THE
8: FIRST SEX ASSAULT HAPPENED IN JULY 2009 NEAR GRANVILLE ISLAND. Others followed in the West End and Yale Town.
7: This male is a predator.
8: Um, he's targeting these women. A break in the file came this January when a fourth assault was linked. Arturo garcia Gorjon was recently arrested, charged and released. Court documents reveal that Arturo garcia Gorhon was released on $15,000 bail. There are also a number of conditions that he report weekly to a bail supervisor, provide his home address, and that he not apply for any new international travel documents. Also, that he not have any contact with the four alleged victims. Crown told Global News it opposed his release... As did Vancouver police. We did ask for remand in this particular case. Um, He went before a judge and the judge made the decision to release him with conditions. Gorhan's release doesn't surprise one defence lawyer who says a judge's decision to release hinges on three things.
0: Will the person show up? Will they commit offences if released? And would the public confidence in in the administration of justice be
5: undermined by their release.
8: Some believe Gorhan's release does undermine public confidence.
5: It's extremely disappointing. I've been saying for 18 months that this catch and release program that we're seeing operate in this country and especially in British Columbia is not working for public safety.
8: The accused sex offender is due back in court September 12th and for now despite the violent nature of the allegations
1: he remains free. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Two days after BC set a grim new record for overdose deaths, several public events today marked International Overdose Awareness Day. As Kamal Karmali reports, activists say the tragic statistics prove there can be no letting up in the fight to save lives.
13: Each lock here represents a life taken by toxic drugs.
9: I lost my my eldest son, Jordan. He was 25 years old.
13: Shareen Schuster says her son resorted to drugs to deal with his depression.
9: He found that the drugs helped take away the pain and uh, very sadly he was given pure fentanyl and he passed away.
13: Many mothers here at this International Overdose Awareness Day event at Kitts Beach.
8: These people are people like us. They were all worth saving and they could have been saved. That's the hard part. Data
13: released by the province this week shows more than 1,400 people have died from unregulated drug use from January to July of this year. A new record. In July alone, there were nearly 200 deaths. That's more than six deaths per day. One death in 2023 was at an overdose prevention site.
15: We need to stop enabling the population And we need to provide adequate care, which is greatly lacking right now.
13: Part of the goal of today is also about teaching as many people as possible how to administer naloxone.
3: And you want to hear the click, always. There you go. Awesome job.
13: Dozens at this event in New Westminster going through training.
3: Press, press, press.
1: Yep. We accomplished training 75 people about, um, which is the largest training I've ever done at one time, so that's pretty amazing
13: and handing out free kits of the medication that can reverse an opioid overdose. For Christina Selby-Brown, it's a cause. I carry my brother wherever I go. Close to her heart, losing her brother to an overdose.
4: Uh, he was 49, mm. same age as I am now.
13: A hope that the message clicks. A need for more proactive measures.
9: We need safe supply first because if they're dead, the bed's not gonna help them.
13: But for some, that will come too late. Kamel Karamali, Global News.
1: Up next, Pick a Flick packs it in.
14: I'm just not ready yet.
1: The end of an era for one of Victoria's best-known video stores. Plus, the legendary Salmon Bellies are back in the Man Cup. Why they might want to look to the 1990s for inspiration. All right, Christy's here now to talk about the weather. We did manage to see some rain in some parts of the province, Christy.
11: Yeah, it's so nice that we saw that rainfall. You know, Sofia' stat from YVR shows that we've had 11 days of rain in the last 125 days. That's not much at all. And the problem is if it all comes at once, a lot of it just runs off and doesn't seep into the ground. So we don't want it. We want prolonged period of rain to really impact the region. These are the rainfall totals over the last three days. As the system uh, drove through, we saw a little bit of rainfall today, but the heaviest rain was actually Wednesday, where we had record numbers, in fact, Uh, Areas like Sparwood more than doubled the previous record by hitting 36 millimeters, I think, in a 24-hour period, and there were some reports of up to 53. Nonetheless, these are the general amounts that we saw over the last little while. Now, the rainfall is going to shift out, and it's important to note that the campfire ban is still in place. So despite the fact that we saw rainfall, we're not out of the woods just yet. In fact, uh, the government stating in a presser today that as we head into the shoulder season, the number of human-caused fires actually increased is because people become a little complacent with the rainfall and uh, uh, shorter days. So don't become complacent. Also, campfire ban across northern regions because of wind. We're expecting it to begin tonight and continue into a Saturday. So that's going to fuel some of the fires there. This rainfall is going to shift out, though, and we are expecting smoke to move out towards the coast. So although we're expecting sunshine for the next two days, for those of us across Metro Vancouver, expect it to be quite smoky tomorrow. Widespread smoke in northeastern and what we call local smoke and through the caribou and central interior. Sunshine though through the southern regions and much of Vancouver Island. The local smoke will be mainly across Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. We're hoping for a little bit of a break. It's not widespread smoke but nonetheless smoky and it's going to be hot and humid as temperatures climb over the next couple of days and humid X values will be close to 30 degrees away from the water. Sunday we're expecting showers but should be drier on Monday Sophie. Tonight central windows, weather window coming to you from Sayward. Joyce Ellis sharing that photo with us as the sun makes its way down just over the island there. I love the look of the clouds there. Thanks, Joyce, for that one.
1: Thank you, Joyce, and thank you, Christy. It has been a fixture in Victoria for the past 40 years, but the iconic video store Pickaflick will close at the end of next month. Kylie Stanton now on how its fans are scooping up memorabilia at the closing out sale.
15: A lineup out the door is usually a good sign when it comes to business and with merchandise flying off the shelves, you'd think this is the newest hotspot in town. But here's the plot twist.
12: It's the longest running video store in Victoria. We started in 1983.
15: Over the course of 40 years, Pickaflick has become an institution of sorts, one of the few enterprises of its kind left in the world
12: a dozen maybe now
15: and at the end of September there will sadly be one less
12: there were no angel investors uh, nobody came through at the last minute so I'm forced to liquidate the inventory to to make ends meet
15: the news coming as a shock to some
12: we're not renting anymore yeah. yeah it's a shame since you know
2: there were so many around in victoria for ages and now this is the last one and
15: pick a flick managed to survive as the blockbusters and so many other video rental stores were forced to close their doors i'm renting amores perros the more than twenty-five thousand titles here a major draw the
1: old singing in the rain
15: they do have it the obscure
13: i'm looking for a movie about a dog and
15: the classics
1: for sure you would find but you need it but then
12: the death of physical media has been touted for the last like 20 years now but i think it's now really happening still i'm just not ready yet
15: (laughs) many are holding on
5: i just don't like computers and i have an embarrassing big collection of dvd
0: oh
15: frank zappa customers will have the chance to stock up here with every title no longer for rent but instead for sale.
12: It's been really enthusiastic. A lot of people just coming by to say their farewells to the store, basically. So it's been very emotional as well.
15: And like a good movie, this store and all it brought to the community will be remembered fondly long after the final credits roll.
1: It's the end of an era.
15: Kylie Stanton, Global News,
1: Victoria. I used to rent there way back in the day.
16: I miss going to the I know. the local, be it blockbuster or whatever, to rent movies. Yeah. But of course, you'd stand there for like an hour trying to figure out which one to get.
1: Did, were you, did you do the be kind, please rewind? Did I you always rewound,
16: yes. I was kind. Yeah, I that's, was. Good. that's good. Uh, before I, good. I show you this, I want you to pay attention to Vanny Sartini's t-shirt. Anyway, the Whitecaps have surprised everybody by winning their first two games on a seven-game road trip. The next game will be this Saturday against New York FC.
3: In Italian, we say the appetite. The appetite comes when you eat. So now let's try to make th- make three uh, next Saturday.
16: See, Vanny Coover. They beat Chicago one nothing last night. The Whitecaps are moving up in the standings. That ball is in.
1: Also ahead.
7: Through it. Nice.
1: What sets this Spartan race contender apart from all the other competitors? All right, I want one of those T-shirts, but go ahead. I think you can get one somewhere.
16: We'll ask Vanny okay. where. Um, just when you think the Vancouver Whitecaps season is going down the drain, they rescue themselves. They're on a seven-game road trip. That's the longest road trip this team has ever been on. And road trips this long in Major League Soccer can be like death marches. Only three teams in the entire league right now have winning records on the road, but so far, the Whitecaps are winning on the road. At least this road trip, they're two and zero. They beat Portland last Saturday, they shut out the Chicago Fire last night, won nothing which has moved Vancouver to fifth in the Western Conference standings.
3: Uh, we showed, I would say, the two faces that are very important, the two halves that are very important if you want to become a, a top team. We need quality and we need character.
16: And they also need the combination of Ryan and Brian to keep producing. Ryan Gauld set up Brian White for the only goal last night—a goal that just got over the line. The setup made Gauld the all-time leader in Whitecaps assists.
11: Yeah, I don't really know if you could put uh, pinpoint one or one thing exactly. I think uh, from day one we've built, we've had this connection on the field. We know each other's movements. We kind of understand where we're going to be without even really looking.
16: Uh, and so it, it makes the game really fun, and um, hopefully we just continue the way we're going. And where the Whitecaps are going next on this road trip, Yankee Stadium on Saturday against New York FC. We just mentioned Yankee Stadium, as you saw, and in many ways, the new Westminster Salmon Bellies are the New York Yankees of lacrosse, or if you're a hockey fan, the Montreal Canadiens of lacrosse. The Salmon Bellies basically need a warehouse to put all the they've won over the years as a franchise. They're getting ready to host Six Nations in the Man Cup, and the Bellies have won... 24 Man Cups, that's the most out of any team in this country, but surprisingly, the last win was way back in 1991.
4: This used to be a pretty common sight at Queen's Park Arena, the new Westminster Salmon Bellies parading around the Man Cup as the national lacrosse champions. But it's been a minute since that's happened, 32 years. They've lost their last seven trips to the Man Cup final, the last in 2017. Canada's most storied lacrosse franchise has about had it with finishing second.
7: We don't candy coat it, we're like, hey man, there's a lot riding on your shoulders. There's a, this whole town has been starving for a championship since 1991 and this is it, we're back.
4: Ray Porcelato grew up five minutes from Queen's Park and has watched, played, and now managed Canada's most iconic lacrosse franchise. He knows what it was like in the glory days and feels they're back. The Bellies won Game 7 of the WLA Finals at home earlier this week.
7: The atmosphere and the vibe in here was it was buzzing an hour and a half before game time. You could already feel it. And then to see, you know, the old barn here packed again was really sort of, you think back to the days of, one that used to pack all the time. And we get good crowds during the regular season, but not like that. And the kids were going crazy. You see it in the crowd with everybody from, you know, little kids to old-timers wearing Samuel Bellys gear. Paul Del Monte was actually part of the last
4: Bellies team to win the Man Cup back in 1991. When you step in whether you're a rookie
7: or whether you're a veteran you just you put on the uniform and you you know that you're part of a winning tradition and you seem to play to a, at a different level all the time because you're expected to win i was fortunate enough to be on that team with you know a number of hall of famers uh, several of, of whose uh, jerseys are retired in this very building
4: the bellies history goes back over 100 years and since 1930 have played at venerable queens park arena that history is not lost on today's players who know the significance of putting on that Bellies jersey.
7: They know that if, you know playing lacrosse at this level is one thing, but to play lacrosse at this level for the Bellies in a Man Cup is different. You know, when you talk about 135 years of history and 24 Man Cups, it's different. It, um, and they feel that responsibility.
16: The Seattle Seahawks enter the upcoming NFL season with the fifth youngest roster in the league. Yet, their boss is the oldest coach in the NFL. Pete Carroll is going to be 72 on September 15th. But he loves the fact he has a lot of kids working for him.
7: You know, it's interesting because it, 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 we, feel, we feel new. There's a newness about us. You know, you can feel it. And uh, it's, it's been maybe part of the excitement all along. that The guys are really jacked about being part of the program, being here. Um, I mean, it makes me think of leadership, the other guys that have been around, and, and how they've really kind of given those guys a chance by having really good direction and, and the security of you know that we can play with younger guys. We've had pretty good success when we were a young team, so I'm, I'm okay about all that.
1: There you go. All right, thanks, Squire. Up next, to BC man about to tackle one of the toughest obstacle races after already overcoming the biggest obstacle of his life.
0: This is BC is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. 50 years of trust in your community.
1: Jordan Armstrong here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Jordan
13: and Sophie we are watching a new fire near Pemberton. The Spetch Creek wildfire is 15 hectares not threatening any structures at this point but it does continue to grow. Plus you've heard how BC Ferries plans to tackle the long weekend. Tonight we'll tell you what the competition is offering. Hello Ferries is also stepping up service on its passenger only
1: run between Vancouver and Nanaimo. These stories and more on Global News at 11. Sophie? All right, thanks, Jordan. We first told you about Sheldon Guy a couple of years ago when the popular basketball coach returned to the court after losing his sight. He'd already gone blind in his right eye when interior ischemic optic neuropathy struck his left. Well, now he's defying obstacles again as he prepares to compete in the grueling Spartan race in Seattle. Jay Durant has more on This Is BC.
7: Sandbag on your shoulder. Oh, yep. Good. Sheldon Guy
5: has always dreamed about competing in a Spartan race. Gosh. Less than two years after losing his vision, he's getting ready to finally take on the challenge.
12: Yep. Yeah. Before Coach J.P. stepped on board, huh, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Good. And
13: there's something. I
7: just never had any doubt about his capability, and, it, and it's it's shown in training. Throw it.
5: Nice. Burpee. This Let's grueling go. obstacle endurance race will present all kinds of
12: difficulties. I think the rings kind of scare me, because when I swing from one and then they're moving.
7: Straight down your arm, that would be going just over the top. Of- I have
12: reservations about doing certain things every day, um, but it doesn't stop me.
5: Soon Guy will be getting set to coach another season of basketball at Langley Secondary. Always learning new ways to navigate everyday life.
12: I'm doing my own dishes and cooking my own meals. Laundry is a little challenging right now in terms of matching socks.
5: In late September, he'll travel to Germany for an advanced procedure that could stimulate dormant nerves to try and regain some vision.
12: I'm holding some hope. So I'm trying to stay even keeled about it. I'm trying to meditate every day and just keep my mind at peace. Two. The calm that counters some incredibly tough
5: training for yet another challenge that Sheldon is determined to overcome.
12: I'm still an athlete I'm still a human being. I still have a smile on my face. Ah. And I want people to know that This isn't gonna define me, and it's not gonna stop me. Uh, I have to grab your water and an oxygen mask. It's okay not to be okay. Go out there and just try it. Give it your all, and I'm allowing people that are in similar situations like myself to just not give up.
5: Jay Durant, Global News.
1: And if you know of someone who has a great story to tell, don't forget to email your ideas to Jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. Good luck in the Spartan race. All right, Christy, final okay. word on the weather from you.
11: Sure. So uh,
1: across southern B.C.
11: generally, we've got a ridge of high pressure. So hot, sunny conditions expected for the next two days. The problem is for Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley, we are expecting the smoke to shift out to our region tomorrow. Hot,
1: humid and smoky for our Friday. All right. Thanks very much. And thanks for watching tonight. Have a good night, all.